Proverbs chapter 11. Continuing our study here through the book of Proverbs, and uh, like we talked about last week, we're into these, what I call these nugget verses of just maybe one, two uh, sentence little points that are really, really good. Some of them stand on their own, and some of them will have that today where they're kind of like just an independent point, but a lot of them flow together here towards a bigger point. And as we look at Proverbs 11, we're going to look at this as one big point and try to see what these little nuggets have to say about that. So... Remember, key thing in the book of Proverbs is what? Wisdom. Wisdom. This is why we study Proverbs. It's wisdom to learn what God wants us to do in life and also wisdom to keep us out of trouble so that we don't, we don't get in those situations where we're crying out saying, Lord, help me. This wisdom helps us stay out of trouble, but this wisdom also helps us when there's difficulties and trials of life where God gets us through. So that's what we're here to talk about today is that wisdom of God in Proverbs 11. Let's do the smart thing and a quick word of prayer. Uh, Lord, we just do pray for that wisdom. Just let your spirit guide and direct in all ways and all things. And we pray you go before this, Lord. You teach and we'll listen in your name. Amen. All right, Proverbs 11.1, 1, it says, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. This verse gets quoted a lot. Um, at least I seem to quote this verse a lot because what this verse is talking about here in verse 1 is it's talking about integrity. It's talking about honesty. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord. And we live in a world and a society today where this idea of doing what's right sometimes gets thrown out the window. It's almost like we do what's right when people are watching. But this verse is talking about even when no one's around, you want to do the right thing, you want to do the godly thing. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord. This verse, first thing I think of this was a story from when I was a kid. I can remember um, growing up as a kid helping my dad load out hay out of the barn. And I can remember one time a guy coming and uh, buying a load of hay, I don't know, you know, maybe 300 bales or something. And he came and he gave my dad uh, cash for this money, for the hay, I should say. And I remember him giving the cash to dad and I remember him saying, you know, um, you don't have to report that if you don't want to. And I remember my dad saying, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to report it. I'm going to do that. And I, you know, I don't know how long ago that was, you know, 20 years, 25 years ago, I don't know, but that's something that in my mind has stuck with me to this day, that, you know, dad could have got away with that and he didn't. And the guy basically tempted him with that, you know, go, hey, you don't have to report this. And dad did the right thing, he did the honest thing, because dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord. But you know what, it even carries a bigger concept than that, because we live in a world and society where it's really easy to be dishonest. 15-minute breaks become 20-minute breaks. You're supposed to show up at 8 o'clock, you show up at 8.10. You know, what's the big deal? What's, you know, the problem with that? That's a dishonest scale. That's not being the light and witness we should be and we could be in the way we do things and the way we act. God wants us to be pure. God wants us to be right in the way we handle ourselves and present ourselves. I had a situation pop up a few years ago. I was doing my taxes and got all my taxes done, got all the paperwork done, everything signed, and, and I realized that there was a, a sum of money I got that I forgot to report. I believe it was around $70. And I went back and just real quickly redid the math in my head, and it made the difference, and I'm not kidding, of $1 on the tax. Just $1. I would have to pay $1 more. And I thought, this is silly. This is ridiculous. I'm not doing that. And I remember going to bed just feeling so convicted and so bad about that $1 dollar that ended up going back and redoing all the paperwork, adjusting everything, for that one dollar, because it was the right thing to do. Because dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, no matter who's watching or who's looking. One other quick story about this. I remember a few years ago I was talking to a guy, and this guy drove truck for a living. 
and he was telling me about the only way you can make money driving truck is if you overload the truck. And that's the only way you can do it. And I remember this verse then popping up saying, dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord. Well, that's the only way you can make ends meet. That's the only way you can make any money. See, here's the problem. If the whole mindset is the reason we're trying to cheat these systems, be it take the 20-minute break instead of the 15, be it show up at 8.10 instead of 8, or take that extra dollar in the taxes when we should really let it go, what we're really doing is being dishonest, and we're really allowing pride to get into our lives, thinking, I'm not going to get caught. Look at verse 2. When pride comes, then comes shame. But what the humble is wisdom. See, that pride of I'm not going to get caught, or the pride of this isn't wrong, or whatever, is the government really going to care about a dollar? That is a pride that's going to lead to shame. And if you want to stay out of trouble, if you don't want to get caught, then don't do anything wrong. <laughs> it's really quite that simple. But the problem is that pride pulls us down Then when we do things. What are we supposed to do? Well, the answer is found in verse 3. The integrity of the upright will guide them. The integrity of the upright, that honesty will guide you and direct you on what is right. Because why? Verse 4, riches do not profit in the day of wrath. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to just let that extra dollar go. It's not worth it just to not report the cash sale. It's not worth it to do this. It's not worth it to do that. Because what are you really doing? You're being prideful, saying, I'm not going to get caught. You're not letting integrity guide you. In verse 4, you're really just doing it for the riches. And what do they do? They do not profit in the day of wrath. What really is important? Look at the end of verse 4. Righteousness delivers from death. See, what matters most is not the riches, it's the righteousness. And see, we talked about this last week. What is righteousness? Righteousness means being right with God. It means that you have become pure in the lives of the Lord. You have become right in the eyes of God. How is that possible? Well, it's possible through Jesus Christ. That's what it comes down to is. Righteousness only comes through Christ. It says in the book of 1 Corinthians that Jesus became righteousness for us. And so therefore, if you want to be right in the eyes of God, you have to be righteous. I can't obtain righteousness on my own. It can only come through a relationship with Christ. So that is what we're talking about here is righteousness delivers from death. What will save you from death and hell? Righteousness. And where do you get righteousness from? Jesus Christ. This word righteous or righteousness is such an important word in this chapter that in 31 verses, this word is used 13 different times, either in the form of righteous or righteousness in this chapter. So as we go through this, what does righteousness do? Verse 4, it saves us from death. What else does righteousness do? Uh, verse, verse 8, the righteous is delivered from trouble. And verse 9 says, the hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. Righteousness saves us from death. Righteousness saves us from trouble. Righteousness delivers us. Look at verse 6. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them. See, when I am right with God, when I'm right with Christ, I'm saved from death because I have eternal life through Jesus. I'm saved from trouble. The righteous is delivered from trouble. How am I saved from trouble? Because I'm walking with the Lord. Just very simply put, I'm not going to make choices that's going to lead me into trouble. Because when I make these choices, I'm going to stop and say, okay, is this a good, godly choice? Is this choice going to take me deeper in my walk with the Lord? Is this choice going to lead me into problems? When you walk with the Lord, you stop and you say, Lord, what's right? What's true? What's good? Keeps me out of trouble. See, when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you don't have to worry about trouble. You don't have to worry about that at all. Just recently I had, I had an example of this. I was driving down the road, and I looked in my rearview mirror, and there's a cop following me with his lights on. 
Okay, so I pulled over the side of the road. You know what he does? He passes me and keeps on going. Because I drive 55. Actually, it's probably going about 50 instead of 55. I'm, I'm the driver that annoys you guys. I was doing what's right. I was staying out of trouble. So therefore, you don't have to worry about the policeman. See, now when we're driving down the road and, and our kids see the state patrol or the cops sitting alongside the road, they're excited because the policemen are there to do what? Get the bad guys. See, now when you're driving, as soon as you see a cop, what do you do? You look down at your speedometer and you put your brake on as quick as you can because you're not righteous, see? <laughs> the righteous is delivered from trouble. When you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, there's nothing to be afraid of. When you're walking with the Lord, being right with the Lord, I'm not worried about the death and fires of hell. I'm saved in Christ. When I'm walking with the Lord, I'm not worrying about the trouble that I'm going to get myself into because I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I'm not going to make mistakes, but I'm going to stay away from trouble because I'm walking with the Lord to do what is right. And God delivers us. That's the beautiful part of our relationship with Christ. So when I see people who are not walking with the Lord, and I see people that claim to have their relationship with God, but they're not living it, man, I'm like, oh, man, you're just like walking along the fence. You're going to fall. Because when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, there's nothing to worry about with that. So what happens here? Well, we just read in verse 9, it says, The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. Okay, so through knowledge, I'm delivered. Well, how do I get knowledge? Well, it goes back to the first verse we talked about in Proverbs weeks ago, Proverbs 1-7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So righteousness also comes from knowledge, and where does knowledge come from? That relationship with the Lord. Remember that word fear means that healthy respect of God. So therefore, I respect God. I respect that relationship I have with Him. So therefore, I have knowledge of what God wants me to do. I walk in the right paths, and those right paths lead me into a path of righteousness. So I have nothing to be worried about then because I'm walking with Jesus the way I'm supposed to be. And as you walk with the Lord and you have that knowledge, what comes out of that knowledge? Wisdom. Look at verse 12. He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is a faithful spirit conceals the matter. When there's no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. See, just follow this. I want to do what's right because it's the right thing to do because I want to walk in integrity because I want to be righteous like God has called me. And when I'm being righteous, having that right relationship with Jesus Christ, then what do I have? I'm delivered out of trouble. I have the eternal life that God gives me through Jesus, and he gives me knowledge. And as he gives me knowledge, that knowledge leads to wisdom of what I'm supposed to do. And what am I supposed to do? Verse 12, he who is devoid of wisdom, despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. Now we got into this last week a little bit, so I'm not going to get into as much this week. But wisdom is not only knowing what to say, wisdom is also sometimes knowing not to say anything. And what you see here in verse 12, wisdom is what? Holding your peace. See, so often we think, I have to share this thought. I have to share this opinion. Everybody's entitled to it. When really God says wisdom sometimes is not saying anything at all. So, knowledge gives me that wisdom. What else does it do in verse 13? Wisdom also says, hey, he is of a faithful spirit, conceals a matter. Don't you have those people that you're afraid to go open up to and share with? Because you know if you tell them, they're going to tell everybody else. That's not the type of person you want to be. 
And we've all had times in our lives where we said things we shouldn't have said. We all have had times in our lives where, you know what, we should have kept our mouth shut and we didn't. God help us to truly do this verse here in verse 13 of concealing a matter and being a faithful spirit. I know I've wronged in that area before too. Because you want to be that type of person that someone says, I feel open and comfortable to come to you and share my heart to you, knowing you're not going to go blab it and gossip it around. Wisdom is doing that. And wisdom also is verse 14, seeking counsel. See, here's the thing. A lot of times you see the extremes of this. You see the person that will not seek counsel. They have all the answers. They know exactly what to do. They have everything figured out. And really what they're walking in is pride. Jump back to verse 2. When pride comes in, comes shame. If you're the only person you're asking your, the opinion of is yourself, what do you really think is going to happen? We're not as smart as we think we are. But then there's the extreme, too, of I see people seek counsel of everybody. And I'm telling you right now, there are some co-workers you should not ask counsel of. There are family members you should not ask counsel of. And to be quite honest, there's probably people in this church you shouldn't ask counsel of. Because what happens is we start asking everybody. And I'll be talking to somebody and they'll be like, well, you know, I'm really struggling with this area. And they'll be like, well, you know, I talked to this gal at work and this is what she said I should do. Come well, who is this gal? I mean, is she walking with the Lord? Is she seeking godly wisdom? Or is she just spouting off her opinion? Well, I liked what she said, so I thought I should do it. Well, of course you do, because human nature is, if you say something I want to hear, I, I like that. So the counsel I want to listen to is the counsel that I want to hear. Problem is, we're required as Christians to give godly counsel, which, to be quite honest, is sometimes things that you don't want to hear, I don't want to hear. Or sometimes you don't want to say it, and I don't want to say it. Godly counsel is realizing I don't have all the answer. There's wisdom in the body of Christ, and there's wisdom in going to people saying, hey, can you pray for this? Can you, can you pray about this? And well, what do you think? It's not that you're basing your decision on their opinion, but you're saying, I trust this man or woman that they are seeking God on this, and as they pray and seek counsel, that the Lord can speak through that. Because the Lord can speak through people. He speaks through the Word. He speaks through worship. He speaks through the message. He can also speak through the body of Christ. And there's wisdom in the counsel of many. This is why we have a board. And this is why we have times where we say, hey, what do you guys think? Is because there's wisdom in the counsel of many. So you can see how this builds up. You want to walk in integrity. You want to walk in righteousness. You want to have that wisdom. You want to have that guidance. Because when you walk in wisdom, when you walk in integrity, and you walk in righteousness, what do you get out of it? Let's just be honest. Lord, what do we do? Okay, I'm doing the right thing. Verse 1, I'm not having the dishonest scales. I'll do what's right even though no one's going to see me. Okay, Lord, I, I, will, I will accept your righteousness. I'll have that right relationship with Christ. I'll trust you'll deliver me. I'll trust you'll keep me out of trouble. I trust you'll give me eternal life. Okay, Lord, I'll walk in wisdom. I'll watch what I say. I'll be a good friend. I, I will seek godly counsel. But in the society we live in today, what do we like to ask? But Lord, what do I get out of it? Well, verse 16 shows us, A gracious woman retains honor, but ruthless men retain riches. The merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. The wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. As righteousness leads to life, so is he who pursues me, so is he who pursues evil, pursues it to his own death. If you're taking notes here, there's four things that you see that comes from us living this life the way we're supposed to. Look at verse 16. A gracious woman retains honor. When you walk uprightly in the Lord, you will be honored. Now, this is not you will be honored that people will bow down to you and everybody will look up to you and everybody will say, oh, well, what a great, wonderful person you are. Meaning that you will be honored in the sense of 
you'll be living that right life for the Lord that people will look up to that and say, that's the spiritual example I want to be. See, and some of you hear that and say, oh, I don't want that. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ Jesus. See, so often as Christians we say, well, this is what God wants you to do, but, but, but don't look to me because I'm not perfect. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm trying, but I'm not perfect. Well, well shouldn't we say that this is what God wants you to do and this is also the way I'm living it? So that way you're going to hear my words, but you're also going to see my actions living the life it's supposed to be living. See, and if you do that, you have, verse 16, honor. Because you're walking uprightly. People will notice that. People will see that. One of the greatest witnesses you can be to a non-believer is just your life. It's just the way you hold yourself. Is you're going to walk in honor. Look at the next one here. Verse 17. The merciful man does good for his own soul. You know, I, I can't explain this real well other than just saying it the way it is. When you're doing what you're supposed to be doing spiritually, when you're walking with the Lord the way you're supposed to be doing, you, you just feel good. I don't know what else to say. You just feel good. And I'm not necessarily saying physical. I'm just saying spiritually, emotionally, you just feel right in the Lord that, Lord, this is good. This is good for my soul. See, when people come in and they're not where they're supposed to be spiritually, and they are miserable. They're miserable emotionally. They're miserable spiritually. They're depressed. They're discouraged. I, I, I think of this verse. Because when you do what you're supposed to be doing, your soul just feels good. And I've seen people where their life is falling apart around them but they still look like they're doing well. How can that be? Because they're walking righteously and they're walking uprightly in integrity in the Lord. And I've seen people where they should just have the greatest life in the world. They got the great wife, the great husband, they got the house, the kids, the job, they got everything. But something is still missing. Why? Because their life is not walking righteously in the Lord. Look at the next one here in verse 18. He who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. See, when I live the life I'm supposed to, I get rewarded for that. Now, every now and then, someone will say, well, I don't care about the rewards. My response back to that is, I I care about the rewards. If you don't want your rewards, give them to me. I will take all the rewards I can get. Because when you go to heaven and you stand before Jesus Christ, what you're going to do is take all those rewards that God gives you and you're going to lay them down at his feet. So I want to take as much as I can to heaven with me to lay it down at the feet of the Savior to say, Lord, you died for me and this is what I did for you. I want to be overwhelmed with rewards, not for my glory, not to further me, but so I can lay it down at the feet of Christ and say, look what I did for you, Lord, because of what you did for me. Now, we use the example of when you go to a birthday party, what do you do? You don't go empty-handed, you bring the gift. The gift is not for you. The gift has nothing to do with you. You're giving it to that person. These rewards that God rewards us with, they're not for me to walk around for all of eternity and show them off. The purpose of these rewards are for me to lay them down at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, this is how I served you, only for you. So when it comes to the rewards, yeah, I want the rewards. Because I want to go up to heaven and I want to lay it down at the feet of Christ and say, Lord, you died for me and this is how I live for you. And what else do we get out of this? Look at verse 19. As righteousness leads to life, you have life. John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but Christ came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. So what do we get out of righteousness and integrity and that right relationship with Christ? We have honor. We have the soul that's where it's supposed to be. We have the rewards. And we have life. I think that's a pretty good deal. In fact, I think that's a real good deal. And as you go through this, as you look at this, there's even more that comes out of this. Look at verse 21. 
Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished, but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. Here's probably the biggest one. Do you realize by your walk with the Lord, you're affecting not only you, you're affecting the generation behind you and the generation behind that. See, when you live uprightly and you live righteously with that right relationship with Christ, it affects your kids without a shadow of a doubt. And you know what? As it affects your kids, that means you're also affecting your grandkids. Parents, the best thing you could do for your kids is to live the Christian life in front of them. Grandparents, the best thing you could do is live a righteous life in front of your grandkids so they will see the right relationship it's supposed to be. Their parents may have dropped the ball, but you can still live righteously in front of them. And this verse promises in verse 21, the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. Your walk and your relationship with the Lord can affect generations that follow you. Isn't that a beautiful thing? See, so often we think it's over, it's done, there's nothing I can do. No, my right living in God, living the life, being that witness through Jesus Christ can affect generations that follow me. Boy, that's worth it. That is worth it when you see that perspective. But here's the problem. You can't fake it. Look at verse 21. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. See, you can't fake it. See, if you fake it, you're really just the pig with the gold ring. That's what you are. You look good, but you're still spiritually a pig. <laughs> and so often in our Christian walk, we look good. We have the gold ring. That's what people notice. They see where we serve. They see us coming to church. They see us having our Bible open. But you know what? Sometimes that's just a gold ring in the snout of a pig. I have seen women that are physically attractive, but they're spiritually and morally ugly. Same thing with guys. They can be physically attractive. I'm not saying I think they're physically attractive, but they could be physically attractive, but they're spiritually and morally ugly. You see them come in and they're dating and you're like, okay, what do you like about this guy? What do you like about this girl? Okay, yeah, she looks nice. Yeah, he looks nice. But spiritually, morally, it's just a pig with a gold ring. That's what it is. And what happens is in our walk with Christ, sometimes our walk with Christ, let's just be honest, is that. See, what God is trying to tell us here at verse 22 is all these promises of, of delivering from death, of delivering you out of trouble, of, of God being there and guiding you and directing you and generations being affected and eternal life and rewards and honor. All that works is if you are righteous, which comes from, I don't mean to be repetitious, a right relationship with Jesus only through him and accepting him and his death on the cross. That's where it comes. Anything else is just a gold ring in the snout of a pig. It means nothing. And so God is trying to get to the point here in verse 22 of, is it real? Is it real? And how do you know if it's real? Look at verse 23. The desire of the righteous is only good. What do you desire? Now, I don't like that question. Because when I look at what I desire, I desire a lot of fleshly things. Lord, help us to be more like him. But stop and say in verse 23, is my desire to truly go deeper in my walk with the Lord? Is my desire truly to impact generations? Is my desire truly to say, I want to shine and be an enlightened example for Christ? Or am I just happy with the gold ring in my nose? What is our desire? Because if our desire is to truly see the world change, look at verse 24. There is one who scatters yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. 
The people will curse him with who, excuse me, the people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. So what's your desire? My desire is to scatter seed, verse 24. My desire is to invest in others. See, my desire is to see righteous seeds planted in people's marriages and lives and relationships. I want to see marriages healed. I want to see lives saved. That's my desire. And for that to happen, I need to get out there in verse 24, scatter some seed. I have to do that. See, a lot of times people sit here and they talk about how they want the world to be changed and how they want to go deeper and they want their marriage fixed and all this other type of stuff, and they don't do anything about it well, then you know what? That's really not your desire. Because if you desire that, you're going to get up and you're going to go do it. That's what we need to do in verse 24, is we need to scatter. We need to plant seeds. You know what the problem is with planting seeds? just doesn't happen quick enough, does it? We were uh, filling in some uh, grass at our, our house here the, well, a week or so ago, and the boys went out and helped me plant seeds. And of course, from their perspective, wake up the next day and where's the grass? takes time, right? Now, you and I both know that because we're really intelligent people. Yeah, but why is it when it comes to spiritual matters we get just as frustrated? Lord, I prayed for this relationship to work out and it's been 10 minutes. Why isn't it better? Lord, I prayed for this job and Lord, I, I've been looking for two, three, four days. Nothing's happened. Well, what about waiting? We don't want to wait. And so what happens then is we get frustrated saying prayer doesn't do anything. What's the point of it? I pray and nothing happens. Well, how long are you going to be faithful in prayer? A week? A month? Six months? What happens if God says, I'll answer that prayer in, in 60 years? Well, are you going to be faithful? See, because right here, when we scatter seeds, there are certain seasons where things grow, and there are certain seasons where things don't grow. If you go out in the middle of January and say, hey, I'm going to get a good jump on the crops this year and plant beans and corn, what's going to happen? Absolutely nothing. And you can sit there and get frustrated and mad and angry, when you pick the wrong season to plant. Same thing spiritually. I want this relationship fixed, so fix it now. God says it's not the season. You've got to be patient and wait. I want that job now. I want the finances taken care of now. I want this physical ailment healed now. God says it's not the season. You've got to be wait and be patient. Okay, so what happens if you finally start to see the plants grow? So you decide after your uh, beans and corn are coming up, you know what, I'm going to get a good jump on everything, so the end of May I'm going to go start harvesting. Nothing's going to be ready. You can get out there and harvest to your heart's content and you're going to get nothing out of it. What happens is sometimes we try to speed up the harvest. I see fruit coming. Okay, Lord, so it's time now for everything to be fixed. God says it's not the season yet. You have to be patient and wait. See, God keeps going back to these farming analogies because they work. There's certain seeds to plant, excuse me, certain seasons to plant. There's certain seasons to harvest. And to be quite honest, there's certain seasons just to sit and wait. And you have to determine what season you're in. You can't plant in the winter. You really can't harvest in the spring. You have to wait and know. Your responsibility, verse 24, is to go out there and scatter seeds. Lord, when you say plant, I will plant. When you say harvest, I will harvest. Verse 25, when you say water, I will water. Verse 26, when you say give the grain, I'll give the grain. I trust you, Lord, because you give wisdom and guidance. And how does this all happen? Verse 27, he who earnestly seeks good finds favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil. When you desire that deeper walk with the Lord, God says, I'll bless you and take care of that. we got just a couple points here before we finish up. Can you turn to Galatians chapter 5? Galatians 5. 
See, all this comes down to, it's great to have the honesty, the integrity, the righteousness, the guidance, the direction, the deliverance. You know, it's great to have the honor, the eternal life, generations affected. But we need to realize, Lord, I have to desire with you. Galatians 5. Because he who earnestly seeks good finds favor. See, this is just a simple point here. Look at Galatians 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so you do not do the things you wish. Now, how simple is that? If, if I focus on the Spirit, the things of the Lord, then I do what's right, and I go deeper in my walk with the Lord. If I focus on the flesh, that means me, my earthly desires, those things that are going to pull me away from God, that means my flesh is going to grow, and I'm going to go farther away from the Lord. How simple is that? But yet, how complex do we make it? Lord, I want to go deeper in you. Well, then go deeper in him. I don't know how. Just spend more time with him. Get involved in prayer. Get involved with the word. If you want to know somebody, what do you do? You hang out with them. You want to know a deeper walk with the Lord? Spend more time with him. You want your life to be more pure, more righteous, more wholesome and honest and integrity? Well, then don't do those things that are wrong. Sometimes we sit here and say, yeah, let's make it sound so simple. I don't make it sound simple. God made it sound simple. What you plant is what, is what is going to grow. Look here in Galatians 6 again, uh, verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that he will also reap. If you plant the beans, beans are going to come up. If you plant corn, corn's going to come up. But you know what? Go look in a bean field. What do you generally see in the bean field? A few stalks of corn. Now, what does that mean? Sometimes you have to go into that field of life and get those things out that are causing problems. See, the problem is some of us are happy. I shouldn't say happy. We're okay with a few weeds in our life. Because I look at other people, and other people have a lot more weeds than I do, so it's okay for me to have a few weeds. And, you know, God says, no, 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 no. Is that really the type of field you want? Because what you sow is what you reap. Because look at verse 8. For he who sows to his flesh will the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to his spirit will the spirit reap everlasting life. Boy, whatever I plant in my life, that's what's going to happen. If, if I want that relationship, that marriage, that work situation to go better, I plant seeds into that of peace, of love, and of trusting the Lord and allowing him to work it out because I can't. If I want that walk of the Lord to go deeper, then I plant seeds into my life of spending more time with him, a deeper walk with him, and you know what? That's what comes out of it. Problem is, there's always going to be weeds that pop up into your life. And to be quite honest, we also get tired of it, don't we? Don't you get tired of always being the mature one, the nice one, the good one? Look at verse 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. How many of us lose heart before the harvest comes? Be like the farmer at the end of August, beginning of September, saying, I just can't handle it anymore. I give up. I planted this stuff back in April and May and nothing's happened. Put you right there. Right there's the harvest. How many times do we give up on and that relationship, that work situation, that problem we're struggling with? Lord, I can never get over this sin, Lord. God says, don't lose heart. You're planting seeds of righteousness. You're planting seeds in the Spirit. It is going to happen. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. See, Proverbs 11 here teaches us, if I do what's right, 
And I do it out of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, because I want to serve him and love him because of what he's done for me. God says, I'll deliver you out of trouble. I'll guide and direct you. I'll give you the eternal life. And God says, as you go on and walk this life, you will have honor. Your generations will be affected past you. Your soul will feel good. You'll have that fullness of life. He goes, but just don't fake it. Don't be the gold ring and the snout of the pig. He goes, don't. Desire things to go deeper in me. Desire that. And as you desire that, God says, I will delight in that. Last two points we're going to say. Look at Proverbs 11:20. Those who have a perverse heart are abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. See, when I do what's right in the eyes of God, God just loves watching me. Job 1 shows this. Job 1 is where God says, Have you not seen my servant Job? God's just bragging on Job. See, God is that father that has little pictures of you in his wallet and likes to show you off to Satan. See how good he's doing? He just delights in you. And why does he delight in you? He delights in you because you're trying to live the life. See, I love watching my boys play. I absolutely love watching them on the floor, building blocks. I love watching them play. I delight in that until they start arguing and bickering with each other. Then there's no joy in watching my kids. See, and that's the same thing spiritually. God delights in us when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. There's a joy in that. Now, no, don't take this the wrong way. He still loves us. Unconditional love, grace, and mercy. But there's that delight of seeing his kids do what's right. Oh, that brings such a joy to the eyes of the Lord. And what's the greatest thing that we can do for the Lord? Last verse, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. See, it all comes down to eternal salvation. Verse 30. Are you saved? Are your friends saved? Are your neighbors saved? Are your loved ones saved? He who wins souls is wise. See, I, I can have the honest scales. I, I can have the righteous life. I, I, can, I can do everything right. But God says what matters most is verse 30. He who wins souls is wise. How are you doing and soul winning right now. Because we can sit here and learn about the Lord, mark up our Bibles, enjoy the worship, do the prayers, we can do everything. But unless we're getting out there as a light and a witness and really saying, I want to win souls for God, what is the point and purpose of any of this? We get so caught up in the things of the world. We're going to get worked up today watching sports. We're going to get worked up on politics here and if few weeks. We're going to get worked up about things at work. We're going to get worked up about things at home. When God says the thing that really matters most is are you winning souls for Jesus Christ? Are you really being that light and witness? That's all that matters. Proverbs says wisdom is realizing the best thing you can do is taking other people deeper in their walks with Christ and you going deeper in your walk with Christ and seeing souls saved. That's wisdom right there. Marvin, come forward here for the final song. Just want to encourage you too. Don't forget to uh, take a look at your bulletins. We're going to get some of that information too up on the website there.